Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by McLean Deemer for the new expansion for Guild Wars 2 called End of Dragons. The music for the expansion was inspired by Korean traditional music. And while I was preparing for the interview, I didn't know that. So all of the instruments that I referenced in my notes ahead of the interview were Chinese or Japanese instruments. So I learned a ton from McLean. I loved learning about all of these instruments that were new to me and perhaps new to you that are from Korea. And again, it was just awesome to learn it from McLean. And all for Guild Wars 2. Also, we have been posting videos of our newest uh, chats, and you can check out a video of the chat that I had with McLean on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. This is um, the third expansion for Guild Wars 2, uh, End of Dragons. And this time around, we're going back to a region that was originally in Guild Wars 1 uh, called Cantha. Um, and then kind of like the difference between Guild Wars 1 and Guild Wars 2, there's been a you know huge uh, jump in time that's 250 years since we've been there and a lot has changed. Uh, so it's, it's um, I don't want to spoil too much, but I guess there's been trailers about it so I'm not spoiling too much but if, uh, you know visually it looks very different the the people of Cantha have kind of found this source of magical energy that they've tapped into and developed really highly advanced technology um, and and it's just spectacular to look at I mean you know it has this kind of neon almost blade runner-ish glow to it uh minus the sort of grit and the constant <laughs> rain um, but it's uh yeah it's a really beautiful setting. Um, and it was, I don't know, it was just an incredible experience to get to play around and get to try some things I've never done for the game before. Like what? Well, um, you know, obviously the, the, one of the pillars of Guild Wars music is, is, uh, beautiful, lush orchestration, you know, kind of that full sound that you're used to hearing in a fantasy game. Um, and this obviously has that, it has to have that, that's kind of the essence of the music. Um, but one of the things they wanted to do, there were two really interesting things I thought that they wanted to do, um, was incorporate uh, an influence, a uh, traditional sort of Korean influence, and that is pervasive across the whole thing visually, the costumes, um, even down to some of the names. It, you know, it's not, it's not Korea, it's still a fantasy game, but it draws heavy inspiration from traditional Korean culture. And that includes the music, um, which was just a complete eye-opener for me. I knew truly nothing about it before going into this and uh, and really had a lot of catching up to do that I still feel like I'm doing. Um, and then on top of that, to kind of signify the uh, the technological progress of this area, they 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 asked specifically to, to really lean into synthesizers and heavily processed organic sounds, which is stuff that, you know, we've had to shy away from for you know the the entirety of Guild Wars one and two, just because it's not that kind of game, right? Um, mm -hmm. th there's been elements of synthesizers in the background, very soft pads and things that don't attract a lot of attention. But in this game, you know the the term that they use to describe this kind of technology is jade, jade punk, right? So they the people <laughs> of Cantha have found this magical jade that powers all their technology, and they're like, we want to lean into that jade punk sound. So whatever that means to you. Uh, you know, make sure it sounds like that. Uh, and it's great. I mean, you know, 
in terms of a balancing act, you know, uh, if as a creative person, you're always looking for challenges that will stretch you. And so orchestra, traditional Korean music, synthesizers, it's like, okay, I think we're, I think we're, you know, entering into some new territory, at the very least for me, to try to figure out what those mean and how, how do they fit into the legacy of Guild Wars music? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the tracks, and as you said, this is pervasive through all this new music, but the track that's called A Future Carved in Jade, mm -hmm. that seems like a really perfect and simple example with a, an instra, traditional instrument that's been manipulated. And there's, you know, kind of like distortion on it and things like that. So um, talk to me a little bit about that. And, you know, I, I literally wrote down about this track nice juxtaposition of something ancient sounding with then, you know, with that sham or whatever instrument that is, and then synths, but also the orchestra, right? It's all in there. Yeah, I think not being afraid to, you know, do things wrong has sort of been my approach, right? <laughs> this this idea of like, when you record an acoustic instrument, um, you, you uh, traditionally, you kind of want to get out of the way. You want, to, you want the, the electronic process of that microphones into preamps and and eqing and compression you want that to be all as transparent as possible um and this you know mostly goes for orchestra but also some of these soloists when you when you're trying to capture the spirit of what you know a, a traditional performance might have been if you are in a public setting you know 500 years ago or something you're not going to hear it uh you're just going to hear it moving through the air so you want to stay out of the way this is that's not what we wanted, right? So this was like this was about doing things wrong. So, you know, putting delay on an acoustic instrument, putting a distortion on an acoustic instrument, putting putting distortion after reverb. You know, things that you're like uh, from a technical level you, you're not supposed to do. Um, but but trying to figure out, you know, if, if we're if we're taking this inspiration from the real world and extrapolating it into a fantasy world, and then that fantasy world is even further from our own reality, right? Um, what does that mean? So you have to kind of use your imagination to say, if this if this instrument existed in that world and they were surrounded by all this amazing technology, what what might they be used to hearing? You know, right. what, what's what's the what's the kind of jade punk cantha futuristic spin on Guild Wars music? Not like let's impose our will on on uh, on this setting. You know. so curious about some of these instruments you use too because uh you know i mean they really do set this stage of eastern or maybe even middle eastern kind of with the sham or i'm not sure what kind of double reeded instrument that is but i love yeah that. okay so I i'm gonna do my best i'll send you know what i'll do is i'll send you my little crash course uh okay. <laughs> document that i've been sending Sweet. to everybody because it's like i've already done all the legwork yeah. <laughs> um and, and it, it'll help you with some of the pronunciation which i'm also not an expert at i'm still sort of working on it mm -hmm. uh but um the i think the one you're talking about it's called the piri which is like a p-i-r-i okay. and you kind of roll the r a little bit piri Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's uh, it's essentially like a little oboe. It's a double reeded instrument yeah. made out of bamboo. It's maybe eight inches long, um, and then has this just bright piercing tone. But it it does sound similar to um, 
a sham or what's uh what's the Armenian one the, the uh, Mizmar Mizmar or a Daduk it's a little high seems higher than that to me but it, I, it is it is a yeah. lot higher yeah but it, yeah. it's it, it's kind of from what I understand that instrument got to the Korean Peninsula via Central Asia so it kind of made that journey you know I think from the the Middle East and the and the Eastern yeah. uh, or whatever Central Asia. Sure. Yeah. I kind of dug into uh, Japanese classical music, Gagaku, a year or two ago, and that seemed to be the case with Japan as well. A lot of those instruments came from China or evolved from Chinese instruments, and I assume that happened on the Korean peninsula as well. Yeah. I'm still sort of parsing that. It's very difficult as someone who doesn't read Hangul, which is the Korean, you know, kind of writing character system. Yeah. Uh, This is an interesting point that that I've come up, I think, I've come up against this from the very beginning, which is that traditional Korean culture and and just a lot of Korean culture in general, despite them having kind of this moment, this global moment, right, with their pop culture, mm-hmm. um, it, their traditional culture is almost entirely unknown outside of Korea, right? Mm. Uh, and, and that certainly goes for the music, where you might look at some of these instruments and visually, yes, they, they look like they uh, are evolved from their Chinese equivalent, which is the same for traditional Japanese instruments. And I would say that most, but not all of them, uh, definitely originate from China. Um, but then, you know, they have a thousand years of their own path of right. evolution. Um, yeah. So, and, and not only in terms of construction materials, but idiomatic ways of playing, right? And and, sure. and for, me, for me to reframe, you know, how I approached writing for them and try to shed the, the types of East Asian culture that I've absorbed through our own pop culture over the years and say, no, that's the Hollywood version of that sound, or that's too Chinese, or that's too Japanese. What does it mean to make this Korean? It has been a journey, in that, and that's, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm still kind of on that journey uh, to, to truly capture the essence of what makes these things Korean. Yeah, I mean, I'm so fascinated because when I heard these instruments, I immediately assumed they were either Chinese or Japanese, never once did and I mean I'm horrified by this. Did I ever imagine they would be Korean? So, you know, um, like the what's the Korean equivalent of shakuhachi? I can't wait to see your your lead sheet now. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I'll give you I'll give you the I'll give you the greatest hits if you're interested. Please, so, I would love that because you know, can, let's just start with the main theme because that has that sham in it, the piri that you mentioned. Oh, okay, yes. That what you're talking about is something even different. So oh, great. That well, sound let's do it. is yeah. That that sound. Not to interrupt you, but uh, that sound is called uh, it's called a taipyong so. That's also a double reeded instrument, but mm-hmm. it has a it has a metal bell on the end, and that oh, it, interesting. It, it kind of yeah, it looks it's you know that one's a little longer, maybe maybe ten inches long, um, and it has a conical bore, whereas the piri is just the sort of circular bore. Ah, okay. Um, and it's it's piercing. I mean, it is it is, both both of those instruments are almost deafeningly loud, but but the yeah. the taipyong so especially, the first day we got in the studio to record it, you know, we're doing some tests on levels. And the guy just blasted a note, and we're like, "Okay, let's turn the game way down." You know, uh, yeah, it's it's a really cool instrument. I have one. I have one of each of those actually somewhere around here. Oh, neat! 
And then what is that flute-like sound that's in that main theme track? That is, um, it's called a tegum, uh, okay. or a dagum. It's 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 spelled with a D, but it, the, the sound is sort of in between a D and a T. Um, okay. But it's uh, it's it is a bamboo flute. It's a transverse flute, right? So it's played sideways. Um, mm-hmm. But but the unique feature of it is that it has. Uh, and it has the finger holes and the the mouth hole, but there's an additional hole that's covered up with a membrane, usually made of rice paper, sometimes with synthetic paper on cheaper um, cheaper versions. And what happens is when you hit certain notes or overblow a little bit, that membrane will buzz, and it creates this natural distortion sound. Nice. I, I don't want to liken it too much. You know, it, it's the same principle as a kazoo. It doesn't sound like a kazoo, um, but it, it's that same idea where the, that sort of buzzing is part of the sound. Um, mm-hmm. And and the the person we had playing it is a master of this instrument, and knew when to push. You know, to to hit those notes, and he was just so incredibly expressive and sensitive with this instrument. Mm-hmm. You know that it. it in terms of my writing, if you heard the demos versus what he did with them, it was just like, it's, talk about getting out of the way. I'm like, here are the notes I'd like you to hit. If you have other ones you think would work better, please get those in there. And, you know, and and put put that expression that I can't possibly capture, you know, into the, into yeah. the real thing. That's one of the kind of most Korean instruments. That's like a very famous instrument in traditional Korean music. It's, it's different than the shakuhachi and... Um, mm-hmm. There's some kind of equivalence in Chinese music. There's it's closest to the Dizi or Dizi. I'm not really sure how mm-hmm. to pronounce that, but that's kind of a smaller version of it that has that, but it has that same buzzing membrane. But the mm. the tegum is really like, yeah, one of the hearts of of traditional Korean music. love all this um and then i mean of course the western instruments obviously too like in that main theme when the horns come in i mean people go on and on about cello but i'm telling you give me a good line (laughs) of horns and i'm just as happy right i mean it just sounds so good yeah you know let me i'll pull back the curtain a little bit uh okay (laughs) so this is the third expansion for guild wars right Mm -hmm. guild wars is known for having big bold music um, the first expansion was Heart of Thorns. It had this, it had this big adventurous theme uh, that I think is pretty good. You know, I, I, there's some like any creative person, I would go back and be like, well, I do that differently, or I do that differently. Sure. But it's it's catchy. It's got a good tune, and people love it. People still talk about it, which is very flattering. <laughs> then the second expansion came out, Path of Fire, and I thought, you know, Guild Wars has so much loud music. <laughs> that I'd like to just kind of take it easy, you know, and maybe we'll do something a little different. And I had this notion of doing doing something similar to like a Bond movie or or like they did with uh, Star Wars Rogue One, where, you know, let's say Rogue One, for example. So they really try to, to defy your expectations of what a Star Wars movie is. They didn't start off with the big title crawl and the big <laughs> theme up front. There was no music. It was just a cold open. They went right into it. Yep. And then 15 minutes in, you know, there's a title card that says Rogue One, and there's just a little flourish that's like, this is the theme. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of went hard in the opposite direction for what you'd expect from a Star Wars movie. 
And Bond does the same thing where it opens and then you then you get the kind of like gunshot at this camera moment and then the theme plays. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. We'll have like a little prologue yeah. and then we'll have a version an hour into the game that's the theme. So so what happens when you start the game is a very soft and gentle version of what I consider the theme comes on and people hate it. They hated it. Uh <laughs> Because big and 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 you know I, I have my own feelings about it both ways right I think it's a good piece of music but then it took me years to kind of come to to terms with this I, I had to think is this a good main theme and and you know I, maybe it isn't because when people get home from work or wake up on the weekend say today is the day I'm gonna sit down and play Guild Wars two they want to start that game up and have it grab them and pull them into that world. And that piece of music didn't do that. And so that was mm. a failure on my part that I thought, mm. here's my egg-headed idea about how I want to <laughs> craft this experience. And it's a little antithetical to what the player wants. And so this time around, uh, it's my long-winded way of getting to this, to answering <laughs> your question. I, I was like, all right, you want a main theme? I'm going to give you a main theme, and it's going to be—it's going to be bigger than Heart of Thorns. It's going to be catchier than anything. It's just going to be loud and bold, and it's—it's it's going to get you excited. I want you—I want the second you pull this game up, to hear this and just have it yank you into the world of Cantha, right? Uh, and and I—I I hope that's what it does. It does that for me, at least. It, it works really well for me. That has to, I mean, you know, just rudimentarily, I think of it in, in two parts. I don't even know if that's a word. I think of it in two parts, like the opening, yeah. uh, kind of more fant fantasy in a classical music sense, not in a fantasy world sense, but that's just kind of um, freedom of thought and music in the beginning. And then it comes in with the horns and the orchestra really structured, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I just, I thought it was great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um and, and you know also something that we didn't really do on the, on the last expansion. It's basically it's a it's a prologue, right? Or it's an overture. It's a chance to to establish everything else you're going to hear. And literally everything you hear across the rest of the soundtrack is in there. There's synthesizers. There's one of every single Korean instrument which you it's the only track that you hear all of them at once, right? Wow. Um and and uh and then, of course, you hear the orchestra. So it's kind of it's three minutes or two minutes, whatever it is, of of a little bit of everything. And I and I, and mm -hmm. I think it. I hope that it sets the stage for uh, you know the expansion in in the best way possible. I mean, how big is the expansion in terms of music? How much new music did you write? Well, this is a good opportunity to say that I'm not the only person involved in writing the music. Um, this is the it's the biggest team we've had working on on any content since the game. I mean, even since Guild Wars One. Um, wow. There was a, 
in total, I think there was seven or eight people who who had some kind of function as a composer, whether it was a single track or you know a, a good chunk of it. Mm-hmm. And there's about two and a half hours of original music, which is the most that any expansion has shipped with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've also done some things, uh, you know, in the mixing stage and kind of in the in the post uh, production side of things to create alternate versions and remixes and stretch it. Uh, so there's, I think, eight, maybe eight and a half hours of, of music in one form or another, which is, yeah, just, uh, you know, exponentially more than we've ever had a chance to, to ship with, which, you know, in a game like an MMO, which is designed for you to just constantly be playing, uh, it, there's never enough, even eight and a half hours is like never enough music, you know, because some of these yeah. players, they, they, they brag about having literally thousands of hours in the game. <laughs> Uh, so there's no way we could ever have thousands of hours of music, but, you know, I want it to be fresh and interesting for as long as possible. to hear more about how that works or because I know that a lot of big games will have multiple composers that's that's very common I mean it's necessary yeah. for the reasons you say it's just way too much for one person to do and um, how collaborative is that or are you all really just kind of working alone with kind of the same guidelines or um, are you sharing music back and forth or is it still quite solitary um, yeah, I mean, the creative process is always kind of solitary. I, 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 at least for Guild Wars, I've done things where it's de- it's been, you know, I'll write a little bit, pass it off to somebody, they'll write a little bit, pass it back. That's not really, I, I don't think that would work that well for Guild Wars. And, and, I, and I like bringing people in specifically because they have a unique voice and I, and I mm-hmm. would trust them to kind of, you know, make sure that it sounds Guild Wars-y, but also is their music. Um, so, you know, I served as the uh, lead composer, the kind of musical director, um, which has sort of been my function for, for most of the last 10 years or so that I've been working on the music for the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll give people guidelines, you know, but, but uh, for the most part, I just kind of let them run wild. And, and if something's a little off the mark, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I haven't had to kind of throw anything out wholesale. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask any of these people to be involved if I didn't think that they could just do it, uh, yeah. you know, if I, if I couldn't trust them. Of course. Yeah. Um, there were two big motivations to get other people involved. Um, and this this was true on the last expansion as well. Uh, and people probably are sick of hearing me say this, but the first one was uh, I don't like writing combat music or action music. I mean, I can do it, but uh, it's not what comes naturally to me. And I find it really uh, just a constant uphill battle. Okay. So, but this kind of game needs that sort of music. So I knew that I was going to need help in that area uh, just to take that off my plate. Um, and then it coincided with the other part, which is maybe even more important. That's sort of a practical side of things. But from a cr- creative side of things um, and cultural, you know, I am I'm a white American male. I'm not Korean. I have no Korean heritage. I've never been to Korea. 
uh, I know Korean people, but that's that's as close as I get. And I love Korean food. Um, <laughs> Amen but, to that. Uh, yes. Yeah, but uh, you know, th- this was this was a real blank spot in terms of my you know kind of musical knowledge, mm-hmm. and and I, th- I I knew that it would be really important to bring Korean voices into into the score. Um, and so three of the composers uh, helped me with that. So uh, the first person I reached out to was a composer named Michael Choi, who's who's from Korea. And I met him here in LA, but he's since moved back to Seoul. And just, first of all, he's a great person, which is step one of, of being a good collaborator, as I, as I like him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and But he has a beautiful uh, kind of heart, like creative heart, and, and loves the same things I love, which are you know, gorgeous melodies and, and lush kind of orchestration and stuff. And, and I just, I love the music that he wrote. And we, we had an interesting conversation early on, I think, because, uh, you know, a lot of working on this project was, like I said, reframing what I thought I knew and, and um, assumptions that I might've had, uh, you know, and none of which were malicious, but it's just sort of my own ignorance as somebody who's detached from an entire culture, you know, on the other side of the world. But I thought, well, I'll bring in Michael because he's a composer and he's Korean. So certainly he must know more about this traditional music than I do. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's not the case, right? He, he, And we had this sort of conversation earlier where he's like, well, yeah, you know, I, I've heard this stuff because I'm from there and, and it's just kind of around. But it, And he didn't say this. This was sort of me connecting the dots. It's like if he had come to me and said, hey, you're American, you must be an expert in all you know, 19th century cowboy folk songs, right? Like, because that's such an American thing. I'm like, no, I mean, a pro- you know, Home on the Range is maybe I could, I could hum that, but I may, might only know half the words. So that was a real, that was a real kind of aha moment where I'm like, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, you know, make, I, in, in, under the guise of being sensitive to this culture and trying to be respectful, I, there's, there's kind of a, an undercurrent of, of like subconscious, uh, uh, maliciousness yeah. involved in, in if, if I'm making these assumptions. So, you know, I have mm-hmm. to kind of uh, tread lightly there as well. Um, but of course he did an amazing job and, and, and uh, I think just through osmosis has a little bit more familiarity with some of that um, traditional sound. So he was the first person I got involved. Then uh, another composer that I met through him is a woman named Sojin Ryu, uh, who she lives in Chicago, I think. And just, again, just a, beautiful melodies, brilliant orchestrator, you know, just fully slots into the Guild Wars sound. Uh, mm-hmm. And and with her, you know, I, it was just kind of like, here's a couple of example tracks, here's kind of what I'm working on. And she was just cranking stuff out that, that I loved. Um, and then the third kind of key to this Korean sound, uh, and he's really the um, keystone, he, he, the foundation of this whole thing, with, without which it would all fall apart, uh, is, a, is a man named Andy Roseland. Um, and Andy is not Korean. He's American. Uh, he actually is from Los Angeles. But he's lived in Seoul for the last, I think, 25 years or so. Oh, wow. And has, um, uh, like, he went to school, Got I don't know if he got his master's, I'm not sure, but he has a higher education uh, background in studying traditional Korean music. So, you know, he is this like unbelievable unicorn for this project because, you know, he's American. So there's a, there's a sort of a shorthand in terms of, you know, going for a Hollywood sound or even just something as simple as the language barrier, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to communicate a little bit more easily. Uh, you know, that, that was beneficial, but having this, you know, uh, essentially a whole lifetime of experience over there, 
and studying it deeply and being able, I could use him as this kind of a weather vane to say like, hey, am I in the right direction on this kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, he was our connection to all of these soloists. Um, you know, he, he and, the, and most of them were actually colleagues of his from when he was in school, huh. who've, who've since gone out into the world uh, in Korea to, to, you know, make their living as professional playing these instruments. So finding him was like striking gold. And here is one of Andy Roseland's tracks. It's called A New Era of Heroes. Three of them were, were very valuable collaborators, um, and Andy wrote uh, a good chunk of the combat music. Okay, <laughs> so he so he che- so he checked that box for me as well. Nice. Um, and then, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll list everybody else. Oh, uh, I'd love that. That that's I would love that. Yeah. So there's a few more. So so um, taking care of the cinematics, the in-game cinematics, and kind of coming in at the eleventh hour to give us a little bit more combat music. Uh, it was a composer named Brian Adkinson. And Brian has already done some work for Guild Wars, um, doing some trailers uh, over the last couple years and doing some of the, um, what we call the living world content, which is the kind of downloadable content that comes out in between uh, expansions. Mm-hmm. They're like little bite-sized episodes of things. He's He's been, so he's been working on Guild Wars stuff for at least a couple years now. So it just made sense to kind of keep him in the mix. Uh, and then there's, uh, there's a fun track that I don't want to, spoil too much but it's uh it's it, let's say it's the the guild wars version of our own uh, cantina music from star wars uh that was done by my friend steve pardo who you know i think uh, steve, from, yep. f- uh who's you know i've known since the two of us worked together at harmonics mm-hmm. a million years ago and steve steve is one of those musicians that I, i'm just so jealous of i mean he's so talented on every level everything he picks up and then he's just, you know, again, just the nicest person in the yeah. world. Um, and so having him involved, being able to work with him on something after, you know, it had been, I don't know, 12 years, uh, it was really fun. So he did an amazing job on his track. So then uh, we have a singer that we worked with. You might want to cut this out. I'm not sure because so this might be a spoiler. Uh, but <laughs> a, a singer named uh, Joyce Kwan, who came in and, and did a song for the game um, that I uh, I did some orchestration uh, arrangements for her music, who's just brilliant, unbelievable, and I I, I would love to talk about her more. Um, <laughs> and I can't wait for the game to come out so I can talk about her more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the kind of final sort of fan fan favorite uh, surprise is the return of, of Lena Rain, who Lena uh, did the music uh, for Celeste. I think that's kind of what everybody really knows her for now, mm-hmm. but... I'm, you know, uh, there's a little bit of pride that I have saying that, oh, her her first kind of foray into game music, or I would say maybe, maybe not her first, but but pre-Celeste um, was working for Guild Wars. Uh, she she was a designer at the studio. She was like a level designer at the studio. Um, mm. And uh, this is sort of a story that she's told a million times. But early on when we were kind of hunting around for music, um, she came to me and said, hey, I'm working on this event that needs, you know, some some music and I wrote something. You know, is this? Do you think this could go in the game? And and, and I listened to it and said, well, why are you doing level design when you should be doing this? <laughs> uh, and so from there, you know, we would try to 
uh, work it out with the design department where we get some of her time to do some music. And, and she did about a third of the Heart of Thorns scores is her music. And then she kind of went cool. off and did her own thing. So this is, she's done one or two tracks over the years, I think, uh, for some of the Living World stuff. But this is her first time coming back for an expansion. And her track is just gorgeous, uh, you know, <laughs> fantastic. So I think the players are, are really going to like that one. That's fantastic. I mean, I I just love all the creative moving parts that it takes. I mean, obviously for an entire game, but the audio and the music itself, I mean, it's just that's a like that's a team of people <laughs> to yeah, make yeah. a great product, you know? And, that's and, fabulous. And, and you know, these people are all over the world, all over the country and all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um every time zone, uh, you know, imaginable and it, it was a lot to manage, and then you know, uh, obviously, I have to. I have to, my own sort of creative side. I have to. I have work I have to do on the creative side, and then I have this management side. But fortunately, in one form or another, I knew all these people, you know, either personally or professionally. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, I wouldn't have brought them on if I didn't trust them. And, and they delivered. You know, they yeah. they absolutely did an amazing job. And so it's fun. I I, I like. I like collaborating, right? Because you it's a give and take. Um, yeah. And every one of them has a different approach. Even if I'm the one saying, here, work on this, work on this, they give me back something that I wouldn't have done if, if I was the person working on it. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, that kind of inspires me to maybe try something new on my own music uh, afterwards. So, yeah, it's, it's a very rewarding process. And then I think... You know the the players are the ones that benefit ultimately because we just get more music. You know, we, yeah. There's we like I said, we can never have enough. So you know, if you want more, just bring in more people and say, hey, write some Guild Wars music. imagine that you know the the pandemic probably affected how the recordings happened and how all of that went down but uh that's just an assumption will you talk a little bit about how all that ended up happening yeah um it affected it less than you might think uh mostly because when we recorded the uh orchestra that was like at the this dip that was like the pre-delta Ah, dip okay. where it seemed like ah we've all been vaccinated now and everything's fine sure um i think it was kind of on on the upswing a little bit at the time but uh yeah because the studio I, I remember like the day before they said hey we uh, we were so we recorded this in nashville at, at ocean way in nashville which is oh, nice. an incredible facility incredible people there incredible musicians in nashville um but they yeah like the day a day or two before they said hey we're going back to having masks for everyone who's indoors um which is fine you know whatever mm-hmm. we're all sort of used to it by now yeah, uh, yeah a little bit so yeah you know they hadn't uh, uh they they hadn't really sort of worried too much i think about the that side of things and then the the benefit of nashville you know upsides and downsides to it it's a smaller studio than you would have Mm -hmm. maybe in los angeles in terms of being able to fit a a full-sized orchestra in one room but from a social distancing uh standpoint 
it's great because if you can't have everybody in the same room, then you don't have to, you know, then it's like they're yeah. socially distanced by 24 hours. Uh, <laughs> and then especially with the brass and stuff, you know, you just have all this room between everybody. So so that that wasn't too problematic. Um, they did have barriers, I think, between the woodwinds and the strings. But other than that, uh, it yeah. was fine. Um, and then, uh, yeah, doing the soloists in Korea, I, you know, we did it before they before the vaccine, I think, made it to Korea. Um, but I, they they approach this sort of thing differently than we do in the U.S. And I think uh, I think they're pretty good about taking precautions and mm-hmm. being distanced and masked. And it was really just one at a time. So, uh, you know, it was Andy mm-hmm. doing the recording engineering and then just the one soloist. So that wasn't too unusual. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, fortunately, we didn't get hit too badly. Not like some other productions I've heard of where they're trying to record a full orchestra, one instrument at a time, and then blend it together and make it sound like there's 80 people in a room. You know, there's, I applaud the recording engineers that have had to deal with that for the last couple of years. No kidding. There have been some big challenges for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I love, if, let's get back to your, your music now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I do love about these instruments, you know, none of which I named correctly in my notes, uh, <laughs> is how so many of them uh, utilize pitch bending in yes. just the way they emote their instrument. So yes. um, will you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So that was really the, that was the first thing that stuck out to me when I started to kind of do my research. Um, you know, I went to, I went to the Wikipedia page for uh, <laughs> Korean music, which uh, the word for tr- traditional music in Korea is called gugak. Oh, G- so that's similar to J- Japan then, similar. Yeah, yeah. Gagaku, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Gugak, um, you said? Gugak? Gugak, yeah. G-U-G-A-K. And it literally cool. just means traditional music. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, kind of looking at, at, at the, the, the Cliff's Notes versions of what was available in English about that stuff, I was like, okay, I, I understand these instruments. We've got flutes. We've got plucked zithers. We've got all the stuff that I expect, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go to YouTube and start looking some of them up. And I'm like, whoa, it just blew my mind. I'm like, this is not what I was expecting to hear. Because again, my own assumptions, I was like, oh, it'll just, it'll be just like what I've heard from, you know, traditional Japanese and Chinese music, which I know those two also have their differences, but you just sort of, whatever, it's, 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 it was an incorrect assumption on my part based on pop culture, which is always, always uh, dangerous to, to make any, <laughs> jump to any conclusions um, regarding. So when you hear them play, Across every instrument uh, that can physically do it, vibrato is is like one of the key sort of idiomatic pieces of it. And it's not just a little bit of vibrato. It's a lot of vibrato. Very wide, yeah. Very, Very wide, wide. And can sometimes even get up to like a minor third, you know, which, which is wild. Um, yeah. And w- the first couple of times I heard it, it, it's just so different to my ears that I'm like, whoa, it was almost cartoonish, right? Uh, because mm. it... Because here in the West, we only use some. We would only use something that exaggerated for comedic effect. I, I would, I think, you know, like p- picture um, a timpani going like boom, you know, like or yeah. uh, or a trombone going like wah, you know. It's like it's always kind of a joke, and so I'm like, yeah. whoa, okay, I gotta, I gotta really like reset my ears a little bit here. Um, and I grew to love it, and and I just I, I found it, it was incredible that like it truly is across all instruments. So on the yeah. you know on the wind instruments just wild, wild vibrato, but also on the stringed instruments, right? And that's actually one of the main things that separates 
their plucked zither, which is called a, a kayagum, which looks like a koto or, or a gujang, <laughs> right? Um, it looks very similar, but one of the key differences is that the strings are still made from wound silk. And sometimes I think it can be wound nylon, like synthetic material, but mm -hmm. traditionally it's silk. And what that allows it to do is to bend that incredible range without snapping or, <laughs> you know, shredding the player's fingers. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you'll just see them like pluck a note and just go, woo, 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 and like really dig into it. I think it sounds so cool and there were so many instances where I just knew that it's not just about it's not just about hitting that vibrato there's bending into and out of notes and there's all sorts of layers of expression that come from that and so you know I was I had written all this music just in in preparation for recording these soloists hoping that they would get what I was going for and put that kind of stuff in because it's it's just impossible to replicate on a computer yeah. uh and, and fortunately you know it, 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 almost across the board, every one of these players would play it as I'd written it, and we go, okay, we got that as a safety. And now they're like, okay, now do you want me to do it the Korean way? And, and I would yeah. say, yes, yes. please. Uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, you know, almost uh, almost uh, completely all the takes that are in the soundtrack are the ones where they just did their thing. Yeah, so and it also extends to even singing. Uh, this so the, the the final track that that Lena did, which is kind of the final encounter, uh, is the only one that has a, a vocal element to it. That's not just a choir kind of ooh and ah like background pad. Mm -hmm. And there's this unbelievable form of storytelling, you know, opera. I guess if you want to liken it to something from the West, um, called pan pansori, p a n s o r i, okay, and. Uh, it's sung by both men and women, but I would say the majority of these examples that I could find, or at least the stuff that moved me the most, were women singing this stuff. And, you know, they use this insane vibrato, uh, virtuosic, right? Uh, and then mm -hmm. the the tonality of their voice, the, vo the, the tonality that sort of gets selected for that type of singing, you know, it's a lot less demure than you might be expecting from an East Asian kind of singing style, just based on what you might have heard from, again... Chinese and Japanese sort of court music. Um, mm. They they find these women who have this incredible throaty, like husky, lower pitched voice for a, for a woman. And the the technique that they use is is they try to push their voices into those ranges in between, you know, maybe a head and a chest voice, so that it just as it breaks a little yeah. bit, but they but they control it. 
Huh. And it, it just gives me chills whenever I hear it. And so we found uh, this young woman. I mean, she she couldn't have been more than 21, 22. She, she was, looked very young. But then she would open her mouth and this unbelievable power would come out. Wow. Uh, and it was just so, it gave me, it gave me goosebumps. You know, every, every, <laughs> it was one of those things where every take was amazing and we couldn't use them all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, we could only use the best one, which was just marginally better than the worst one because even the worst one was incredible. Wow. Wow. Well, gosh, McLean, I mean, I just, my mind is blown and I'm so excited. That's, I mean, this doesn't happen very often where I'm like, wow, I didn't get any of those instruments right. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And I just, I'm so excited to, to just learn more ab about that. Um, and I mean, your music is, is fantastic. I mean, tell me about the, what's the, um, well, there are two other instruments I want to know about then. I want to know about the one that sounds like Erhu. And the mm -hmm. one that sounds like shamisen, the plucked one and the bowed one. So, yeah. what what are those instruments, if you can recall? Yeah. So, um, there's a couple bowed instruments, but the one I think that you're thinking of that sounds like the uh, the shamisen is is um, is called a hegem, H A E G E U M. Again, I'll send the you the bowed my, one. The bowed one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll send you my crash course yeah, document. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it looks very similar to, uh, I'm sorry, it looks very similar to an Erhu. That's, that's what I yeah. meant. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit smaller, uh, I think. Or no, maybe it's a little bit bigger, actually. Well, it's, it's either smaller or bigger. But it, it, uh, um, it, it's very similar. It has two strings, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I think it doesn't have the same skin. Uh, like the, the Erhu, I think, has like a snake skin over the kind of resonating box or something okay. like that. Um, okay. This one maybe has some sort of membrane. But anyway, it's, it's slightly different construction. Uh, and it gives it just slightly less of a piercing sound, uh, just barely. Um, hmm. And then the bow is, it's interesting, the there, it's a two-stringed instrument, right? But the bow actually goes in between the strings, which I think maybe the Erhu is the same. Okay. Um, but instead of, you know, like a violin where it rests on top of it and you can right. lift it off, this one is like, it's fully kind of locked into it. Uh, and again, same thing with the strings where there's silk. And so you can just, you sort of squeeze it, uh, you know, and you, when you watch mm -hmm. them play, they're literally just like going, wee, 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 you know, wow. uh, and getting this crazy <laughs> vibrato out of it. Um <laughs> And yeah, it it just has this. Um, it has a very vocal quality to it, yes. you know, uh, which I, I love. And and the woman who played that again, just there were so many times where I'd be like, "Don't do what's on the page. Here's eight measures. Just improvise something," you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And and she did an amazing job. Then uh, the plucked one. There's a couple, okay. uh, so it might be the kaigum that you're thinking of, which ha which it, you know is looks like a, a koto and is played the same way, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then there, the, so so I just circle back to what I was talking about with the flute. So that the dagum and the kaigum are kind of the hearts of I would say Korean at the very least they're the heart of this soundtrack. Okay. They 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 appear on more than half the tracks, whereas other ones are just kind of sprinkled as appropriate. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, 
and they're I would say maybe the most flexible in terms of adapting it to Western tonality, especially the the Kaigam. Okay. That the modern version of the Kaigam is is close to a harp in terms of it can play diatonic stuff. It's not kind of locked into a pentatonic scale. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it's a little more flexible. Although again, that was a mistake I made early on, assuming that it could just do harp parts. Oh, uh, which is kind yeah. of not really it's just not what it does you know it's not not it doesn't it doesn't sound like that you, mm-hmm. physically you don't play it like that um it also doesn't sustain like that something something else with these silk strings is that they're very dead sounding uh right not in a bad way but they just don't have the same kind of sustain and resonance um mm-hmm. that we're used to with a harp or even even a, a koto or a gujang which have metal they, they've sort of changed to metal strings you know in the last mm-hmm. whatever 100 years and then uh, the, what I think is the most exciting one, and the one that I think I might buy someday if I can. I mean, I have space to put it, but it's like, do I want this giant thing that I won't know how to play when I get it? Uh, <laughs> is is an instrument that I think is is this is truly a pure Korean instrument, as far as I can tell. It does it didn't come from anywhere else. Um, it's called uh, komungo, which again doesn't it's not spelled that way. Uh, okay. So let's see. It's G E. This is a, a test. You're testing me, Emily. Uh, <laughs> I am. It's it's a it's spelled G E O M U N G O. So look, you know, in English, in our yeah. sort of phonetic language, it would sound it would sound like Geomungo, but it's called com, Comungo. Comungo. Interesting. Okay. Um, and it it's it's uh, it also is a zither. It's huge, massive mm-hmm. instrument. Um, but the difference is, I think it has traditionally has six strings, um, and then it has frets basically, um, like a guitar. Uh, it doesn't look quite like a guitar. They're very tall, you know, it almost looks mm-hmm. like a s- suspension bridge, right? Sure. Um, and then you play it with uh, a stick that's maybe about six inches long, you know, kind of, it's like you hold it like a pencil in your hand and you pluck it, you know, and then you can kind hmm. of do this like wrist whip where you sort of snap it and that it, it, uh, it, it's, it's deeper sounding and very woody and very boxy sounding and has almost no sustain. Um, but the, the, it's it's just such an interesting sound, and it's so aggressive and in between a percussion and a stringed instrument sound because of the nature of how you play it. <laughs> and the woman that we that we uh, had playing it is she uh, like a virtuoso. When when Andy told me who this woman was, um, I looked her up on YouTube, and and she she plays traditional stuff, but she also there's a really interesting scene happening in Korea with younger people that play these instruments that do essentially fusion and hybrid type of music with it mm-hmm, where they're not mm-hmm. afraid of running it into a looper or having you know playing with a drummer or a guitar player and doing more modern kind of spins on these instruments yeah. and this woman does this kind of elaborate looping thing with it and and it's it's just such a cool sound and she's like incredible and she's very stoic she sort of came in was very quiet all business and then she would you know we'd like start a take and she would just be flying all over this instrument and it would just nail it. And we're like, oh my God, we would, you know, we'd like zoom in on the waveform and look at the grid. And it was just like perfectly locked into the grid. Wow. She was, she was so cool. I was like, I want to be your friend. Like, <laughs> yeah. you just seem like such a cool person. Um, she was dressed cool. She had like a cool hat on. And yeah, anyway, so that, so that, that's my kind of favorite. I, I think of all the instruments on the soundtrack, that one is my favorite.
Well, it's just been so much fun to hear it all. And now I can't wait to listen to it all again now that I know all of this. Yeah. And, you know, just a great job. I'm oh, just thank loving you. it. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to say, McLean, before we say goodbye? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for this experience, right? Because I, I've been making music for a long time. I'm lucky that I get to do it for a living and the, you know, just like life, the the longer you're kind of around, the the fewer opportunities there are for truly new experiences that maybe change who you are as, as a person. And this is the joke I've been making with everybody. It, you know, I've spent two years working on this soundtrack and really trying to study the Korean side of it and honor it and respect it and get as much out of it as I can. And I'm it's. Even though the project is done, the game is, you know, almost out or will be out by the time this comes out, I'm not done with this kind of music. Uh, and and so, like I said, the joke that I keep telling people is I, I'm having my sort of George Harrison goes to India moment where <laughs> the rest of the Beatles go and they're like, yeah, that was OK. Uh, we're going to go. We're going to go home now. But for him, it, it it flipped a switch in his head where it it created this lifelong sort of path to you know, both musically and spiritually, it changed him as a person. Um, and maybe I'm not having that sort of fundamental a change of who I am. Uh, but, but in terms of like being so excited about learning more about this culture and trying to immerse myself in it and truly understand it more, I feel like I just scratched the surface. I feel like I can only barely talk about it with any sort of authority at all, you know? Um, and, and, and I, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, listening to it and learning about it and hopefully writing more music just, you know, outside of a project, uh, you know, for commercial reasons. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's a start of a journey for me. So I'm, I'm grateful to ArenaNet for giving me this opportunity. And I'm grateful to all of the musicians and other composers uh, that, that we've had a chance to work with and their kind words. I think they're also grateful that we as a, as a Western company are kind of coming in and saying, hey, we want to do this right, you know, and we want to share this beauty of, of your culture with the rest of the world. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I really encourage everyone listening to just look into these instruments. I mean, I, I thought I knew things and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just uh, such an such a wonderful opportunity in such a beautiful way to learn something so special and new yeah. about the world to uh, new to new to me you know so yeah um mclean thank you so very much it was I'm, a pleasure as always of course thank you emily it, uh, I, I hope it's uh you know not that much longer before we get a chance to talk again i hope so too and of course be sure to listen to the audio podcast version to listen to all the music that we just spent all this time talking about so mclean thank you so much thank you Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about McLean Deemer. You'll see a playlist. You can support Level Up with Emily at patreon.com slash level. And of course, be sure to check out the video chat that we had with McLean on the Level with Emily YouTube page. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. And composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc.
Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.